What's up, everybody? Uh, happy belated and maybe not so happy Halloween to the lot of you Bengals fans that witnessed whatever that was last night on Monday Night Football as the Bengals got taken to town 32-13 to by their bitter rivals, the Cleveland Browns, on national television. The Bengals are now 1-2 and two in their primetime games so far this year, losing both of their road games. And as you have heard in, on a lot of other outlets and... If you watched our interview with Trey Wingo, you would have heard him say it too. The Bengals have not won a road primetime game since 1990. And that is, uh, ironically, it was Boomer Esiason beating, I think, Bernie Kosar and uh, the Browns in that game. So the Bengals just cannot get over the hump. They are not good on Halloween night for whatever reason. And it's ironic, given the uniform colors and all of that, that they uh, do not perform well on that quote unquote holiday. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really have an answer for you. I'm Anthony Cazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Happy to be talking to you. I'll be at a little bit later. Hopefully I wanted you all to get some rest, maybe spend some time with some family, do some trick or treating, whatever the thing is that you were doing. Uh, hopefully you had some fun doing that instead of being glued to that debacle <laughs> yesterday and hopefully had some time. I know some people were heated based on Twitter timelines and everything. So hopefully everybody uh, had some time to decompress uh, and everything there, but uh, hopefully the Bengals get on the, the right track here coming up soon. They've got Carolina, a struggling team coming up and then they've got the bye week coming up. Then their big back half of the schedule that they really need to make up some ground. Now, Bengals are 0-3 in the division. They have one game left in the uh, against each team in the division there, and two of them are at home, the lone away game being against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just mentioned how poorly the Bengals perform in primetime uh, <laughs> in away games. And lo and behold, right out of the bye, they go on the road to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. They do have a game late in the season scheduled against the Buffalo Bills at Paycor Stadium too to, to wrap up their five primetime games that they have on the schedule here. So a lot, a lot of different stuff. Now we're going to go through kind of some box score stuff. We're going to go through some headlines, um, some stories, a little bit of stats, data, all that kind of stuff. I've got a special surprise for all of you. For those who follow me on Twitter, I may or may not get in trouble for this, but I, I don't really care. I spent the time doing it. So, uh, Whatever. If I get in trouble, I get in trouble. But I was on a Zoom call this morning with the Thursday night football crew, Richard Richard Sherman, Andrew Whitworth, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And towards the end of that call there, I asked a question to Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andrew Whitworth, and I will play the audio and video with that of the question and their answers to my question about the Bengals. Did include the Rams there as well, too, but uh, talking about the struggles there. So I will Cue that up for you all in a little bit. Um, We'll talk about some headlines, some news, and then we may open it up. I may put the link to the show if any of you want to come on and maybe vent or that sort of thing. You can do that. You can also call or text 949-542-6241. We may try and get to a couple of those towards the end of the show as well. Um, Just to give you all a platform. I may or may not be joined by my co-host John Sheeran here in a little bit. We'll see. Regardless... Um, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things going on here with this game to close up Week Eight as the Bengals just uh, do not have any answers 
of any kind against the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, we can talk a little bit more about this about after the box score, but this team under Zach Taylor, if there, we all had our complaints under, about Marvin Lewis towards the end of the career there uh, with the Bengals. One thing he did, and it really kind of kept his job with the Bengals, I think, for a while, was his success against the Browns because we know how much this game means to the Browns slash Blackburn family. We know how much this rivalry means. We know how much they they want this game. Both teams going into, I guess, this week and or the, you know during the offseason, Jamar Chase on a podcast that he circled this game because he wanted to get back at him based on them sweeping the Bengals last year. You had a Browns defensive back saying, the same thing about, you know, circling this game against the Bengals because they wanted the Bengals to be shut up and all of that. And so here we are again, Browns in the lead up, whether you watch the Manning cast or the, or the, the regular Monday night football cast, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman said about four times in the lead up, the few minute lead up before kickoff about how, critical this game was for the Brown season, how this was a must win to keep their playoff hopes alive, their division hopes alive. They needed to get off of that five, uh, four game losing streak there, not make it a five game losing streak. And lo and behold, they stepped up. They played with passion. They played with energy. They played like their season was on the line. The Bengals didn't have the same amount of urgency. I wouldn't say in terms of what they needed to do in this game, but this was an important game going own three in the division is not good. And that is going to lead to a myriad of problems at the end here. You drop those two at the beginning of the season that you felt like you should have had against a backup in Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, the wacky one where you lose Clark Harris against the Steelers. You, you drop those two. Now you got to make up ground. And, and really right now, at best, the Bengals just appear to be treading water. And that's really what 500 kind of is. Um, now, the good and bad news is a lot of teams right now whether they were good last year, um, seemingly good this year, or you know, just kind of perennial powerhouses, there are a lot of teams in that four and four, three and four, three and five, five and three in that mix. There's a lot of teams in the NFL right now that are in that mix. Only a couple seem to be of that elite status and or you know, head and shoulders above a lot of the league right now at this point in time. So the Bengals could make up a lot of ground by kind of hitting another gear and doing that, but they will do that with some uh, handicaps on the roster because there are a lot of different players who are injured right now. And this was not an issue really that the Bengals had to face. Uh, And so now you're talking about arguably some of their best players on not only the team, but definitely on the offensive and defensive units that are, are missing time. So uh, this is, this is uh, some different, waters that the Bengals have to tread here. I'm seeing some stuff about some trade news. We're going to get to some trade news as well. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, This one, the the AFC North is doing some stuff. And so we have to wait and see if the Bengals will do some things to help try and remedy some of these injuries that they have going forward. And yes, Jeremiah Woolsey in the Facebook chat, injuries is not an excuse for these losses. It is and it isn't. I mean, when you are down your number one corner, when you're down your number one wide receiver, when you're down, I mean, there, there's that. But And we'll talk about this a little later, but the wild pendulum of performances that we have seen from the Cincinnati Bengals really from in the Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow era, and I know Joe Burrow missed, you know, basically half of his rookie season 
Um, but the wildly inconsistent performances we have seen from this team with or without all hands on deck is something that's very maddening. Let's get to, let's get to the box score. We'll get to some team stats and really kind of get through the ugly stuff with this game, because there was not a lot for the Bengals to hang their hats on aside from a couple of nice plays on defense early in the game, a couple of nice catches here and there on offense, but it didn't lead to any points. So not a lot of things to really hang your hat on. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals in this game, not only, not only just overall, but at certain points in the game. And so this is, this is something that we need to um, we need to look at here. And I think it'll, it'll bring things into potential perspective. So let's get to, a couple of different things here. And this is the box score here. This is kind of, oh boy, pretty ugly. But Joe Burrow, 25 of 35, 232. Um, You know, you look at the numbers, not awful. The one interception was a tipped ball that, you know, bounced around two or three times. Garrett got his hands up and, um, you know, it it bounced around. It, it, the trajectory got messed up to T Higgins. Then T Higgins kind of had to scramble for it, bounced off his hands. And then the defensive back made a nice play on that. Unfortunately, that's kind of where the wheels started to fall off. It was a little bit of back and forth at that point in time. Um, well, it, it was the, the early interception, rather the Bengals were moving the ball kind of nicely and that it didn't, it didn't net any points. The Bengals defense stepped up. There were some other turnovers and whatnot. It was kind of back and forth a little bit after that point, but you kind of felt like there wasn't a lot of comfort in this game for Joe Burrow and the offense. And if you want to put that at the feet of the Jamar Chase injury, you can do that. The bottom line is the protection once again did not hold up. And the storyline really of this game is that the two stars that you needed to contain, not necessarily stop, but the two stars that you needed to contain in this game took over. And that is uh, for the Browns. That is Nick Chubb doing what he always does against the Cincinnati Bengals and Miles Garrett uh, doing what he often does against the Cincinnati Bengals. Bad offensive line performance, particularly by their left tackle, Jonah Williams. Unfortunately, uh, we, we have a graphic to show you on that one. Um, and so anyway, 25 of 35, 232, and, uh, you know, just a 96.4 rating, not a terrible day from Joe Burrow, but not one that was akin to what we have seen from um, what we've seen from them here. I want to I want to share. I'm just going to put this link in the live chat here for everybody. This is from the Pat McAfee show that I'm going to share. So it's kind of not safe for work in terms of some of the language contained in it. If you like, if you know, like, or loathe Pat McAfee and his show, you know, that's kind of part and parcel of it, but really entertaining AQ Shipley, former offensive lineman in the NFL, AJ Hawk, who played for the Packers forever, a little bit with the Bengals and Pat McAfee are talking about this and they broke down the miles Garrett tip interception play. And AQ Shipley talked about how offensive linemen have to block on RPO plays and all of that. I thought it was a really interesting breakdown. Um, so the link is in the live YouTube chat as well as the Facebook chat. You can click that to the Twitter uh, the Twitter link and go listen to that when you get a chance. Of course, after we're done here, of course. But go check that out. Watch and listen. It, I, I found it pretty entertaining and pretty enlightening in terms of what AQ Shipley was bringing to the table on that. So go go have a listen on that one. But regardless... Still looking at this box score here. Here's here's the other questionable thing. And there are, there are two things with the play calling. And for me, they really surround the running backs. 
eight eight carries for 27 yards. Now I know the Bengals run game has not gotten going. I know that you're you know you're missing Jamar Chase and you don't want to be super predictable, but when you're when you know you're going up against a Miles Garrett, when you're going up against a Nick Chubb where you kind of want to keep them off the field and maybe play a little bit of keep away, eight carries to Joe Mixon, I don't know. 10 total carries in the game. I know it only netted 3.6 yards per carry. I know Mixon only had 3.4. I I just look at that and I go, I, I, I don't know. Now, I know a lot of it had to do that from the Bengals playing from behind, but you maybe felt like you maybe wanted to mix in. Huh. No pun intended. You wanted to to have more carries in the, in the run game a little bit. Um, at least balance it a little bit. And with that, my other question here, and we'll talk more about this later, is is Chris Evans. Chris Evans comes in, is a weapon in the passing game, one catch, 26 yards, and he's a, a, a ghost the rest of the day. He's not getting snaps. He's not getting out there. He's not getting carries. He's not getting anything. And, you know, we've, we've clamored for him to be out there and, and, you know, let him be a spark. Let him do some different things. He, he gets in there, provides a spark, and then you don't see him again. So I, I don't really understand that. And then you got a career day from Jacoby Brissett, 17 of 22, 278 yards. I think that that's a career best, if I'm not mistaken, from Brissett in terms of yards. One touchdown, no interceptions, 133.7 rating. And, of course, the rushing touchdown later as well, you see there. And the, the Browns just, they did exactly what they wanted to do in this game. They played defense. They protected Brissett. They ran the ball at will. You see here the two guys, you know, 34 carries, 143 yards between Chubb and Hunt, two touchdowns from Chubb and another from Brissett on the ground as well. 44 carries, 172 yards, 3.9 yards per carry, three three touchdowns on the ground for the, the Browns. That is the formula they absolutely needed to have to get this win, and they executed it. And the Bengals did not execute whatever plan they were trying to execute on Monday night, you see here T Higgins, your leading receiver, three catches, 49 yards. He did have the touchdown late. Boyd had a touchdown as well, three for 38 and a touchdown. Hurst kind of doing some of the middle of the field work, four catches, 42 yards. Um, and, you know, Mixon did have seven catches, so he was involved there, but not so much on the ground. Pirine, another running back, had three catches. So you had 11 total catches from running backs between Mixon, Evans, and Pirine. Um, so they were involved there. Uh, but no gaudy stats from anybody without Jamar Chase in the lineup. Big game from Amari Cooper on the other side of the field, five catches, 131 yards, as well as Peoples-Jones, who has kind of quietly become a Bengals killer in his Cleveland career as well. And you see that and you go, oh boy. Um, and Cooper, of course, had the error earlier where he threw an interception, just an ill-advised play on a gadget play there. So, you know, that was a potential momentum turner, but the Bengals didn't take advantage there. So, I mean, you kind of look at it and you go, there, there's your game. And Hunt also had four catches for 30 yards there. So a, a nice all-around day as, as kind of a rotational guy from him. And, I mean, Burrow loses a fumble. He had the interception. Uh, Davis Gaither did have the fumble recovery from Brit Brissett there. Uh, but, you know, it, it was just a lot of, Ugliness. Jesse Bates, your, your top tackler, 10 total tackles. That's usually not a good sign when you're kind of uh, free safety center fielder. That sort of player is your team's leading tackler. That means there's a lot of plays usually downfield. Jermaine Pratt with nine. Hubbard 
very good game from him for the most part, nine total tackles, a sack, uh, especially with what seemed like a, a broken or some sort of issue with his uh, finger or hand. He had x-rays after the game on that. Uh, Logan Wilson, nice game from him back, eight total tackles there and a quarterback hit, but still, uh, you know, not a total, not a bunch of consistency from the pass rush department. You had a half sack shared between Von Bell and Trey Hendrickson. And then you had um, you had another one from uh, I mentioned Hubbard. Osai got in there on a couple of plays too, but um, you know for the most part, not a great day from the defense, and they were banged up with a Wouzier going out. Um, and then you know you had Hendrickson going out for a little bit. He got kind of uh, cracked in the back there on a on a block. So just not no one really jumping off the page really at all for the Bengals, to be honest, Dion Jones had a nice game for the Browns, uh, the sack, uh, and then, you know, Taki Taki, 13 total tackles, a sack. I mean, just, you know, they were, they were flying around. The Browns were flying around and there's, there's no two ways about it. Two total tackles for Garrett, but a, <laughs> a one and a half sacks from him and, and a pass defended. Uh, so, and he had four total quarterback hits did miles Garrett. So that is telling you quite a bit. And then you had a really, really uncharacteristically uh, poor game from Evan McPherson. Missed a, I believe it was a 47-yarder, while Cade York missed a 53-yarder, but hit a 55-yarder. I think that was right before the half there. And then McPherson also missed an extra point. So rough night for him. Not a great night from your punter either, averaging 36.8 yards per punt with only one of those inside the 20. So, you know, just special teams wasn't working for the Bengals. The defense was doing some things early, but they were just on the field too often, and then the offense was not was not doing its part. We talk a lot about on this show and other shows, we talk a lot about this concept of complimentary football, wherein, you know, one unit makes a play, you either step up and, and ride that momentum. So if the defense gets a turnover, you would ride that momentum and and parlay that into points. Or, you know, if you're on offense and you know, you're, you're struggling, the defense really plays an elite level or vice versa. You're missing some guys on, on there from injuries and, you know, you step up and do something different, but that wasn't, it just wasn't happening at all for the Bengals. The defense made plays early. They kept the game manageable and you had a missed field goal. You had an interception. Yeah. I mean, just a lot of errors and Bengals came out flat. The Browns came, came out hot and fired up this game was manageable this game was really truly manageable even without jamar chase and and others in the game and they did not um they did not show up they did not show up let's get to a couple of other things here uh where was the one yeah so i mentioned the the five sacks three of which of on burrow five sacks in the game three of which on Burrow were credited to Jonah Williams, one to, to Mixon. Um, and this is from Joe Goodberry here. Good, good buddy at Joe Goodberry. Here he is uh, showing the Jonah Williams weekly grades from PFF. And it ain't all that great. Okay. Against the Steelers, pretty awful against the Cowboys, not too great against the Jets. Okay. Against the Dolphins, surprisingly and admirably, really good uh, or pretty good against the, the Ravens. And that's the one where he supposedly dislocated his kneecap 
and sprained a ligament. Pretty awful against the Saints. Really good against the Falcons. And then not a great night last night. Getting credited with three sacks at 52.7 overall score. So that, uh, thanks to Joe Goodberry for sharing that. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, not that's not what you want from your left tackle and a guy who has a fully guaranteed fifth year option already, already locked in. Um, there's some talk about, you know, should he have been a guard? You know, should the Bengals have done something to, you know, they could have done a little bit of what the dolphins did, wherein they got Taron Armstead and kicked Liam Eikenberg inside. Bengals could have done something like that with Jonah Williams. Had they felt that he was going to work at guard? Um, you don't have Cordell Volson at that point, but you know, I mean, you would maybe make a, a, a play that way. Um, just he is a microcosm of this wild inconsistency with the, with the Bengals. They'll string together a few really good games. They'll string together some decent games. They'll get by even in poor performances here and there, but there is just every once in a while, these performances pop up where you go, what was that? What was that? Um, and I understand the matchup of who he's going against in Garrett. And I understand that the Browns scheme well against the Bengals for a number of different reasons, but they just don't. Uh, there are just moments and, and play individual players that have these performances where you just go, that that is just a wildly, wildly inconsistent swing of the pendulum in terms of what's going on in performances. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's roll on here. Um, I'm going to share this. This is the, and of course, this is courtesy of ESPN, their box score, team stats, et cetera. Here you go right here. First downs, 24 to 15 in favor of the Browns. 12 to three rushing first downs. Uh, Bengals did get three first downs from penalties. Bengals were four of 10. So 40% on third down. The Browns were, I'm, not that great at math, but they are well over 50%, probably in the 60-ish plus percent at 8 of 13. Bengals are 0, uh, 0 for 1 on fourth down. Browns didn't go for 1. You see the Browns ran 19 more plays. Look at the total yard disparity. Uh, what is that? 111 there. Uh, 211? 440 to 229. Uh, yet only one more drive for the Browns. Yards per play, almost two more full yards per play by the Browns than the Bengals. Uh, you see there the, the net passing 268 to 193. Five sacks uh, given up by the Bengals, only two that they got on the other side. Look at the rushing yard disparity, 172 yards for the Browns to 36 
for the Bengals. Unbelievable. And then, of course, the wild, wild uh, 13 and a half minute disparity in time of possession 36 45 by the Cleveland Browns and 23 15 by the Bengals. That is not a formula to win for sure. And that tells a lot of what, what's going on here. And then I just want to share this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor the point here because we've got a lot more to get to, but I wanted to show this essentially just showing you, um, you know, just the missed opportunities by the Bengals, the missed opportunities by uh, here you go here, you're driving down the field. I want to, I want to just point out, you get all the way down to the Cleveland 27. So that's points territory. And this didn't happen. You know, this, this play intercepted by Higgins was on a first down. This wasn't a third down, you know, super obvious passing or anything like that. This was on a first down from the Cleveland 27. So that is, that's killer when you're, when you're driving down and you have the interception happen on a first down and then, you know, the Browns move the ball, they missed the long field goal. So you go, okay, now you got good field position as the Bengals. Let's make something happen. Let's rebound. Let's make something happen. Well, you go six plays and punt. Okay. So Browns get the ball. They get, then all of a sudden you get a quick interception and you go, okay, let's settle down. Let's get this going. And then you got punt. You did, you did nothing with the turnover there. Browns punt. You respond with a punt. And then it just starts to snowball. But even here, Browns get a touchdown. Bengals rebound with a fumble. Then the Browns come back with a fumble. And then you get the ball and you go, okay, we got to get some points here. It's eight to nothing. Let's get to, let's let's get three. And your your usually steady kicker misses the field goal, sets them up for good field position, and then you're 11 nothing at, at halftime. So then the Browns did what was a key to success for the Bengals last year. They sandwiched points right around halftime. And that's that was kind of the death knell for the Bengals there. Field goal right before half on a, on a big one. Touchdown right after half. And all of a sudden you're staring at an 18-point hole. But when you look at this sequence, the Bengals did nothing with the football. Nothing. Threw, moved down, threw an interception on first down. They did not take advantage of a missed field goal by punting it after. They did not take advantage of an interception that the defense gave them by punting that after. Did not take advantage of a punt by the Browns by punting that after. So at some point, it, something had to give. And eventually the Browns started imposing their will. But you still had this game incredibly manageable even all the way up to the late to, to halftime and whatnot, based on what the defense was doing for you. And your, your offense just gave you nothing. And it's a pretty staggering. I only show that I don't want to go play by play by play, but it's a pretty staggering sequence of series by the Bengals had the Bengals had there in this game. So there are, some things that, you know, you can say, well, hey, just a bad night, bad matchup. This team just does not match up well against the Browns. And, or, you know, you kind of say this is just not the same team. Well, is it, is it or isn't it the same team? I thought this was an interesting tweet here from our guy, Bengal Jim. Obviously, we, we love Jim and he, he brings the positivity and we love that. But uh, you can see here, 2021 through eight weeks, the Bengals were five and three. And through eight weeks, they're four and four, and they are 
they have a very winnable game at home with Carolina and then the bye. I believe the Bengals were also five and four at the bye last year, if I'm not mistaken. So the Bengals have a chance to be identical at the bye this after this, a, a good chance. So that is something where you go, hey, you know, again, expectations had us where feeling where we, you know, we felt like the Bengals should be ahead of where they were last year. But it is about getting hot and it is about getting hot at the right time. So let's, I want to share this one from USA Today Sports, and this is just, I'm not going to go through a ton of it, but I thought, and I will pin this story in the, because we're doing a little bit of, uh, you know, happening headlines along with the breakdown here. We're doing, we're, we're combining shows here. This was from Jason Williams, who writes for the Cincinnati Inquirer, and also this was featured in USA Today Sports. Cincinnati Bengals had everyone fooled. They're not serious AFC contenders. And it's a, it's an opinion piece here. You can go read that, but uh, these are the types of headlines that come from a loss like this. It is a little knee jerk reactionary, but essentially these are, you know, you have people saying, you know, this is, this is a team that's just not looking the same. It has not hit its stride. It has not done the things that it, it we, we kind of felt that, they were going to do here. I'm going to play a clip in just a second here. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com. And this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Appreciate your support. Appreciate all of you tuning in live. We're going to be here a little while longer talking some headlines, talking about different things with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, um, you know, obviously some trade stuff going on as well here. Um, yeah, Bruce Gaines here. I mean, it's a fair point. Thank you for the the live YouTube chat, the super chat. These take precedence, and these will go to the Pollock Family Foundation. We are still supporting the Pollock Family Foundation. So um, if you want to submit a super chat, you can do that. Those will go to that. Or you can go directly to givesendgo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation. We had David Pollock, former Bengals linebacker and Georgia defender, uh, on the show a little while back. And so we're we're – supporting his great cause. They do a lot of great stuff in the community and are looking to branch out from well beyond Atlanta, et cetera. So uh, definitely help them out. If you can't thank you for that, Bruce, appreciate it. But yeah, yeah, you had key players out and this is, this is a good, a good spot to, 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 I guess, talk about some of the issues here. You have some of your top players out. The Bengals though, were not doing well offensively earlier this year. And it took them a little bit, but they adjusted and they adjusted well. But they adjusted against teams that aren't doing that great at this point in time. That's the Saints and the Falcons. You would figure they may may have played a little better against the Browns team that was struggling as well. But the Browns do are, I think, even though their record may or may not indicate it, they may be a better, a higher quality opponent than those two teams there. So... Uh, but at the same time, yes, you are you are missing these guys. You're missing DJ Reader against a Nick Chubb run game. That's gonna that's gonna not do well. And then you also didn't have Tupo as well in there. So I mean, you're gonna have some some issues. But again, I go back to this concept of complementary football, where you know if you're gonna think you're gonna you know you feel like hey we're a little depleted on on defense. Well, you got to start scoring some more points on offense. I showed you in that drive summary all of the opportunities the Bengals had to start taking control of this game early in the game. Even when they stumbled, 
they stepped the defense stepped up and they had them in position okay here you go again here you go again here's another opportunity here you go again they did not they did not take advantage of it and so that's where the frustration is and the frustration also comes I mentioned this a couple of times already, but the wild inconsistency with this team. Primetime, yes, but also just in general, they, they, they're they wildly inconsistent. And we thought last year, at least I did, you thought last year, hey, maybe this is a little bit of an indicator of the fact that the Bengals are, uh, you know, they're still young at a lot of different positions. The head coach is still growing into his, and it just kind of comes with their DNA, but you know, they come up clutch and they, they do what they need to do. Um, maybe they're, they're a second half of the team, second half of the year team. And they'll, they'll really catch fire. There's a stretch of games coming up on the back end. There's, there's, you know, you got, there's a lot of teams kind of like them that they face. If not worse, Carolina, you got Cleveland again, you got uh, Pittsburgh again, you got Baltimore. Who's been, kind of all over the place. They're doing some things though and, and winning some games. You got Tampa Bay who's been back and forth, back and forth. You got Tennessee who's been back and forth. So you got a lot of teams on the schedule here that the Bengals face that have kind of been in their shoes a little bit where you go, who is this team? I don't, I don't, I, are they good? Are they not good? I, I can't tell. Uh, they have the chiefs, obviously they have the bills. Those are the two really daunting ones on the back half of the schedule at this point in time. But the Bengals right now have a lot of winnable games still on, on their back half of the schedule. And this buy can't come soon enough. They can't overlook the team that that's coming to face them though, because this team just took that Atlanta Falcons team all the way on the road, all the way through overtime, barely losing and just kept coming back and coming back and barely losing the game. They're a team like the Browns, albeit in a little different situation with the head coach and all that kind of stuff, and maybe selling off assets uh, of their team, but they're a team that is desperate for a win and really kind of want to play for pride, as they say. So this could be a sneaky, dangerous team in a, in a lot of different respects as well, even with them selling off some of the assets that they have. Um, that uh, that's still where you can't overlook this team, but that's, that's again, the inconsistency is where I think a lot of frustrations lie. A lot of people are again with every loss, Zach Taylor, the play caller comes into focus, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing. I I agree with it in some, in some aspects. I don't agree with it with a lot. Um, I, I, again, my, my, qualm with this game and the the play calling was oddly enough with the running back usage you knew you had some some pieces on offense and defense that were going to be out of this game you're on the road and and maybe also you know especially with the way the game started with an interception and all of that maybe just settle things down i'm not saying you know run your head against the wall 30 times necessarily and and just you know get two yards of carry that sort of thing obviously you have to be effective with it but I, what was it 11 total carries and eight by Mixon, um none by chris evans a guy who showed you he could be a, a weapon in the passing game already early in this game and you didn't really use him again after that um that that's where I get, especially when, when Chris Evans makes a play like that, like he did in the beginning of the game and you don't have chase and 
you're struggling on offense, you're struggling to make yards, points, all of that. Mixon's struggling in in pass protection at times. You gotta you gotta just kind of change the approach a little bit. That's that's where I uh, I have a little bit of of issue. And then of course, Bengals just keep kind of suffering major injury after major injury, and that's not uh, that's not good either. That's not good either. Uh, here I, I'm gonna play this for you. Uh, and then we're going to get to a couple of other headlines and whatnot as we get to the, the Bengals get into week nine here. So, um, it, yeah, so Rob242 here says, Zach Taylor, quote, the play caller. I don't agree with that take. I don't know if you're not agreeing with my take or just the sentiment of of Zach Taylor, the play caller, and, and the collective we talking about him, but writes, it matters not who calls the plays. It's a coaching staff and offensive scheme issue. Garbage in, garbage out. I, I see I, there's there's validity to that, and it's a quality comment. There are, again, I do think there are, it's not a perfect situation in terms of the play calling, but I think also it is up to players to execute. And it is up to uh, players to step up and play to the, to an ability that you think and hope that they can, you know, your left tackle. Yes. Going up against miles Garrett at points in the game, but giving up three, three sacks. That's not, that's, you can't have that. Can't have that. And so, and I don't mean to point out just that player. There are other players who did not do their job. Well, I, you know, Evan McPherson had an uncharacteristic game, um, you know, still struggles running the ball consistently, effectively, all of that. Um, so it does need to be, it does need to change, change up in a way there, but let's get to this. Um, I'm going to play a video. I was on a, I mentioned this earlier. I was on a zoom call for, with the Amazon prime team talking, um, you know, Richard Sherman, Andrew Whitworth, Ryan Fitzpatrick I was on a media call earlier. I'll pro- I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for playing this or not, but maybe I won't get invited back again. I don't know. But uh, I, I was at the end of the zoom call there and I just asked a question. This is about, I'm going to say it's about five minutes uh, hearing the answers from both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andrew Whitworth. The audio is okay. It's not the greatest um, because some of the, some of the people weren't using mics, et cetera, but I'm going to play this for you and you can kind of get the take. I did ask kind of a broad scope question because both guys played for both the Rams and the Bengals. I asked kind of a broad scope question on it, but here is their answers on what's going on um, with, with the Bengals and the Rams. I may cut wit off because he doesn't talk so much Bengals there, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe give him the floor there, but here is the, uh, I'm going to share this with you all here and hopefully let me go full screen for you. Hopefully you enjoy it. Bring us home, Anthony. All right. Best for last. Good morning. Uh, thanks for your time today. Uh, I, I've got a question kind of that I think is, is pretty relevant because both of you guys, played for both of the teams that played in the Super Bowl last year. And here we are this year and the teams, the Rams and the Bengals have combined for a losing record so far this year. Curious your guys' thoughts on the struggles that you've seen from, from both of these teams, given your, your unique perspective and how you think, if at all, either team can turn it around this, this back half of the season here. Yeah, I'll start with, I'll talk more about the Bengals maybe then you can talk about both if you want, but it's just, you know, it's puzzling. 
we think all of a sudden they figured it out. I know Jamar Chase gets hurt, but then we see the performance last night, you know, where it finally felt like this offense is back to clicking and doing their thing. And I, I still don't have a lot of concerns in that department in terms of them making the playoffs uh, and potentially putting together a run. But, you know, when Jamar comes back, there are three receivers and Joe Mixon combined with Joe Burrow. Um, it's, a, it's, it's an unbelievable combination, that talent. That being said, it's a very small window now um, of them being able to do this because they're going to lose T. Higgins in another year. They're going to have to pay Joe. You're going to start to see, you know, quarterback not on his rookie deal. Things start to fall apart a little bit. So this is a small window with all the talent they have to be able to take advantage of it. Um, it's it just Cleveland seems to have had their number. I mean, for whatever reason, Burroughs never beat them. You know, I think one and seven in the last eight, they just seem to have the right formula to beat Cincy. But I, I still like them. Uh, I still like Anna Rumo as a D coordinator and the things that he's able to do and for them being diverse. Uh, but it, it just seems like a week-to-week proposition with them. You know, it's a strange team right now. Speaking of seems like you can't figure out a way to beat them, uh, the Niners Rams again, you know, that we've seen this story before, but you know, it's, it's one of those things. I think you look at both these teams when you play in the Super Bowl. I think that you, you got to give respect to the fact that, yeah, you're on good teams and yeah, you have a lot of talent, but there's a factor in the playoffs of who's hot, who's healthy, you know, really all those things, they, they're really just a stretch of games, even though we want to make them like there's something more than that. They're a stretch of three or four games, and you see it, you know, there's been examples in past years of teams that are either a wild card or, you know, you look at Joe Flacco's run years ago. I mean, just some of the best ball they play all of a sudden and they get hot. And I think you look at both those teams, it's not that either team's not – you know, really good, but were they maybe the best? I don't know if they were the best rosters in the NFL. They just were really hot and played really well. And then you get to the next year, and I think in your mind as a team, you think you're just going to show up and be that Super Bowl contending team. And that's just not the reality. And so when you start to say you might have lost a piece here, they've changed a bunch of things there, it, it starts to show up. And I look at this Rams group, and it's, you know, the one thing we always had over the last five years when I was there a healthy offensive line. I mean, very few guys ever miss games over the last five years. And that group has gotten just, you know, beat up and, and, and not who they want to play where. And they're just putting guys all over the place. And I think it's been one of those things that's got to be extremely frustrating because as we talked about how you're built with your personnel, the Rams came into this season, and you can see it by Allen Robinson, by some of the, you know, they lost Johnny Munt, who was kind of their blocking tight end. He was doing a great job in Minnesota right now. They, they came into this season, we're going to drop back, throw the ball, and Matthew Stafford's going to just sling it all over the place, and that's how we're going to try to win. And when you start losing linemen, you start losing protection, maybe you're not really on the – him and Allen Robinson didn't seem to be on the same page for the beginning of the season. I think those things just become – you go from being a Super Bowl team to, wow, we're trying to figure out how to get to 500 because we can't protect the quarterback and we were built to sit back and throw it. And I think that that's really what you're seeing in their team. And it's like, what are your answers when you get injured and that happens? I don't know that they have one because they don't really have the roster to go start running the football a lot and putting a bunch of tight ends in the game, changing personnel. They are literally put together to play an 11 – and throw the football. So uh, you see it in their run game and you see it in how they've played this season. And then 
you know, I thought actually they, they played really good in the first half against the Niners. Just, again, the offense stalled out, and then defensively they could not get off the field on third down. So I, I think there were some positive steps in, in what they looked like this past week, but they came off a bye, you kind of expect it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Sean McVay and the Rams put together to say, hey, how can we salvage this season? What's our identity and who can we become as the season goes on to really, is it this year getting in the playoffs or is it for moving forward the identity of our team? So a little bit of Rams, a little bit of Bengals there, though. Um, Fitz seems to be pretty still, still pretty high on the Bengals, despite what he watched last night and what we all watched last night. So that, I guess, is promising, and you like the answer that he gave there in that respect. Um, Whitworth, you know, obviously focusing a bit more on the Rams just for time's sake on the, on the question there, but hopefully you enjoyed that audio snippet um, and video snippet there for uh, a press conference that uh, was with the – Amazon crew there. Uh, it was a lot of fun being a part of that and, and obviously seeing those guys talking with those guys. Very entertaining uh, <laughs> exchanges that were that were made there. Anyway, so thought that was interesting here. We've got a lot of trade stuff to talk about here. And of course, the next question is, are the Bengals going to make a trade? The trade deadline's coming up. Um, and are, are the Bengals going to do something? Are they going to look at free agency? They looked at some free agent wide receivers, including D.D. Westbrook last week, but now they've got some different priorities they need to look at. They've got maybe a short-term wide receiver problem based on when, whenever Jamar Chase gets back. It looks like that's probably going to be uh, after the bye there, and then maybe he's good to go for the Steelers game. That's why he was not placed on IR. So you have a short-term wide receiver problem potentially, especially when you see what happened last night where the Bengals could not get anything going there. Uh, and then, of course, You've got now a cornerback problem, and as a lot of you know, it looks like Chidobe Awuzie will be out for the rest of the season as he suffers. It is confirmed an ACL tear uh, through an MRI here, so that is, and I will pin this on the live chat for folks there, the Cincy Jungle article on that. He is He has the ACL tear, so it looks like that's going to end his season. Who knows what that means for him into next season in terms of rehab and whatnot. We're, we're kind of midway through the season here now. So that could linger on in terms of rehab and, and everything with that. But uh, that is not good news for the Bengals. Eli Apple already having a, an injury issue. You had Dax Hill playing boundary corner who had a couple of issues last night. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt still getting his feet under him as an NFL corner as well. So the Bengals are pretty depleted at cornerback this this year right now. Not looking great there. So they may need to make a move of some kind here. Another, uh, in terms of as we tee up for next week, um, P.J. Walker will get the start against the Bengals. He's coming off a huge game for Carolina where he almost brought them back for a big win against Atlanta. Uh, doing pretty well for the most part. Did put up those stats, though, against that Atlanta secondary that's got a lot of issues as well. But still, he will get the start. No Baker Mayfield, no Sam Darnold, none of that. It's going to be P.J. Walker starting for the Panthers against the Bengals there. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe no Mayfield is a, is a good thing um, based on just everything that happened this last week here. But P.J. Walker is going to get the start for the Bengals there, and I will pin that article in the live chat for you as well um let's get to some trades and whatnot catch you up on some things i'm going to try and bring graphics up for all this stuff and we will we will kind of keep this in division for the start 
the big one, and this is where I where I go, okay, what are the Bengals going to do here? Are they going to push chips towards the middle of the table? Are they going to sacrifice because of what Ryan Fitzpatrick said in that audio clip, that video clip I just played when he answered my question? You know, uh, they, they have a short window here potentially based on contract situations, et cetera. Now, the Bengals' cap space is a lot lower than it usually is at this point in time, but we also know the salary cap is a bit of a myth. But Roquan Smith, the stud linebacker from the Chicago Bears, is now being sent to the Baltimore Ravens. So this sends a signal that the Ravens are going all in. Um, they are going all in this year. They are going all in right now because, you know, Lamar still has his contract uh, issue with the team. Uh, they're ahead in the AFC North standings. The AFC North has been a lot of ups and downs, and the Ravens feel like they can take advantage of it. So their, their official Twitter account announced the official trade today. Uh, Roquan Smith is going to the uh, Baltimore Ravens from the Bears for A.J. Klein, linebacker A.J. Klein, and undisclosed draft picks. Roquan Smith was a guy who was a little disgruntled in Chicago because he wanted a new contract and the Bears were not seemingly willing to do that. So he now is with the Baltimore Ravens and they, they are continuing to show that they are pushing the chips to the middle of the table here. You've got Adam Schefter piggybacking off of a field Yates tweet that the Bears are trading Bears being active the Bears are trading uh, for Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool they trade away Roquan Smith they bring in Chase Claypool and Adam Schefter Adam Schefter piggybacks on that the Bears traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool Chase Claypool, which was actually the same round that he was drafted in so Steelers get a nice pick out of that there obviously thinking that George Pickens is going to have a big, um, you know, a big future with them. And uh, Claypool just, you know, he had a nice rookie year, kind of a big play guy as a rookie and just has not bounced back in the year since. So he goes to uh, Chicago from, he goes to Chicago from uh, the Steelers. The Steelers have also apparently, I, I, both on my Twitter timeline, I saw someone comment earlier, the Steelers have also traded for uh, William Jackson and they are bringing him in. Now, William Jackson was the guy that they wanted uh, years ago when the Bengals drafted him. The Bengals got him right before the Steelers picked and they were very upset about that. They drafted the corner whose name escapes me at the moment, the corner out of my Artie Burns, right? Um, they drafted Artie Burns, who was uh, not a, a very good player in the NFL, unfortunately for them. And they really wanted William Jackson. William Jackson, obviously a pretty good player for a couple of years with the Bengals um, and then moved on here and kind of uh, burned some bridges on his way out. But he is now in the division and will in all likelihood face the Bengals in a couple of weeks there. So that will be an interesting situation uh, with the Bengals facing them going forward. Let's see what else uh, the Giants. I know I had I don't have a, a, a full update on. Uh, the Giants, as of you know, being on the air right now, but one of the things I did see, Jordan Renan, um, who is uh, ESPN NFL Nation reporter, he that notes that the Giants do have interest in Jerry Judy, but the price would have to be right. And last I checked, the Broncos wanted a lot for him. Um, so the Giants aren't in position to give up picks. So the Giants are in on Jerry Judy. We'll see here. And the Broncos a little bit in fire sale mode here because the Broncos, if they are looking at Jerry Judy, um, you know, the uh, 
that might be another big guy they get get rid of here. The Broncos unload Bradley Chubb for a package that includes a first round pick, sending him to the Dolphins. So stud defensive end, outside linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to label him, Bradley Chubb goes to the Dolphins for a package that includes a first round pick. So um, that is a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. Um, so uh, here's Aquila the Great. Cheeto's injury sucks long-term. If Cheeto loses a step, yikes. Corners can't lose a step or they're toast. We'll see. Yeah, he's got a long road to recovery ahead, unfortunately. And he was having an outstanding year. So that hurts the Bengals in a lot of different respects. Um, Swarm DTA says, what's our most important need? O-line corner, wide receiver, other. I'm not sure. One trade helps at the moment. I mean, uh, I, I, who do you who do you replace on the offensive line? The Bengals are committed to every single player essentially that's starting for them on that offensive line, be it free agency contracts, be it the fully guaranteed deal that you have with Jonah Williams next year because of his fifth year option. Um, they say, and they have long stood by Jonah Williams. Now, here's the thing with Jonah Williams, and I, I feel like we're we're piling on him a little bit, and or I'm piling on him. We have to remember that just, I mentioned it earlier, just a few weeks ago in that Ravens game, he dislocated his kneecap and he sprained a ligament in his knee. That stuff could still be bugging him for sure right now. And he's playing through it. And when you're playing through that at maybe not a hundred percent against a Miles Garrett, that's going to show. That's going to show. So that uh, is still... It, it, the offensive line still is a work in progress. Another five sacks given up by that unit. I think three credited to Jonah, one to Joe Mixon. So, I mean, there's a lot of different moving parts there that need some help. The Bengals, I would say right now, corner corner needs to, some addressing and maybe a short-term, some short-term help at wide receiver. Um, you, you need a little speed on that field with Jamar Chase not being there. Um, you know, Boyd does a lot of great stuff, but he's not known as a true burner. Same with Higgins. He does, he's got the size, he's got the catch radius, etc. Not known as a speedy guy. Uh, and then beyond those two guys with chase out, you don't have a ton of, you know, blazing speed or game breaking speed. And you may need to get a guy that's got, got some of that. Uh, and, and so the Bengals, I, I would say short-term issue at wide receiver and long-term issues at cornerback here. Uh, but, Again, going back to what Ryan Fitzpatrick said when I asked that question to him, that this window is open, but it, it could close fast. And so if the Bengals, you know, I'm not saying I, they need to do a blockbuster deal for some megastar and take on a huge contract, but they may want to think about making a, a move, two moves, a couple of moves to, to really bolster their roster at this point because they, uh, they've got injuries and they are in the thick of it. They're in the thick of the AFC North race. They're in the thick of the AFC race. And they, uh, you know, a couple of pieces to help while these guys are getting healthy and or while you try and adjust to them being gone. That could make a that could make a big statement and go a long way for what you're trying to do this year. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think you got uh, for me, I think it's corner. And I think, and here's the other thing too, and this is I, this is not really, I mean, it's kind of almost an indictment here, but the Bengals were able to, to overcome offensive, major offensive line issues last year and get all the way to the Super Bowl. The offensive line is better this year, but they, 
I mean, they have shown the ability, Joe Burrow has shown the ability to overcome uh, shortcomings or perceived shortcomings in the offensive line. Now it's more, you gotta, you gotta start replacing some of these guys that's, that are missing time. Hopefully you're getting a DJ reader back pretty soon along with a Josh Tupo that'll help your defense out. Um, so, so that helps. And hopefully chase is on a right recovery path and he comes back in a couple of weeks as well. So that's, um, uh, that's that's kind of what you got to hope for, and then what you need to do for a guy like an, you know a loss like an Awuzier and others, you got to add some pieces and some depth, um, and guys that you you can trust to kind of carry the baton in a little bit. So we'll see what the Bengals do here. Big week ahead, and a big couple of weeks as they try and get a win and then rest up with that bye week. But uh, you know they need to regroup. They need to regroup after that one. I apologize. We're running long. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a platform to chat, but maybe we'll do some listener questions live later this week and let you vent. Um, and then we'll have our big show tomorrow as well. John Sheeran and myself. And then, you know, you've got Bengal Jim coming up tonight, talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. So you won't want to miss that. You've got uh, the coach, Matt Minnick, giving you coach speak and chalk talk. And then of course our show on Wednesday, listener questions live. We had some fun today venting on headlines and going through the the aftermath of the game i'm anthony kazenza go get the cincy jungle podcast channel if you like the audio side you can get that on itunes stitcher spotify google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major ones right down here um we're, we're racking up some subscribers on the youtube side so if you like what we're doing please subscribe we also have memberships that we're going to start giving some exclusive content to on the YouTube side. So you won't want to miss that, but appreciate all the support. Appreciate you hanging in there and dealing with the inconsistent bangles, but God love them. Hopefully they, they write the ship and they find a way to overcome these injuries. We'll be back with more updates, analysis, etc. Have a good rest of your week. Hopefully you all had a fun and safe Halloween. Take care. We'll see you soon. <music>